and what you've done for us. We thank you that you are good all the time. We thank you that you are perfect all the time. We thank you that you are all loving all the time. We thank you that you are just and righteous all the time. We thank you so much that you love us more than we could ever know, that you love us more than we can ever comprehend in our own little minds. And right now, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will be leading us, guiding us today. I pray that your words will be spoken and that your message will be heard. We thank you so much. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. How's everybody doing? Good. Um, if you've been following around long in our reading plan, um, we have come to Genesis chapter 5 and chapter 6. And just to kind of give a little review of where we've been in Genesis, um, we've seen God create everything, and everything was perfect, and then men, man, Adam and Eve, decided to rebel. Um, they were tempted, and they fell into temptation, and sin entered. Sin entered the world, which just jacked everything up. The, uh, the idea of having a perfect union with God Almighty is no longer there. And we see that uh, they are kicked out. There's consequences. They are kicked out of the garden. They are kicked out with uh, that perfect fellowship with God, but God is still there. And this is what's so amazing about this, that even though they sinned, they chose to rebel, that God's still there. God didn't leave them. God didn't just strike them dead right there and then, which he could have and should have. But he chose to pour out his grace and mercy. He even clothed Adam and Eve as they left the garden. That in itself is amazing. And we see as the story progresses, the story of mankind, we see that Adam and Eve have, have children. And uh, last week we saw that Cain killed Abel. And instead of the repercussion of that specific sin, of him actually murdering, killing his brother in cold blood, which is ironic, isn't it? Because God said, you surely die when you sin. And where does the first murder, where, where does the first killing happen of a human being? It's from another human being. I, I find that a very ironic that, that sin, our own sin, does things against other human beings, not just against God, which is totally wrong, but sin has repercussions even in our own lives against other people. Um, how many have ever been hurt by another human being? It happens, right? Because of sin. And we see this where Cain's bloodline, and Eric read that last week, and we see at the end where one of Cain's relatives, ancestors, is later on bragging about how evil he really truly is. He's pretty proud of it. He's proud of the fact that he has done evil to other people. 
this is the repercussions from sin of our own into our own lives into our you know and most likely there was family that he did it against and um in chapter 5 we see where Adam and, and Eve are are there again and and um they have another child and his name is Seth and Seth brings forth more children and I'm not I'm not going to take time to read every every lineage here I'm not going I'm not going to take time to go through the whole lineage but I'm going to uh, just point out a few things that these 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 men seem to be godly men. Unlike Cain's lineage, unlike Cain's heritage, where they're proud of being evil, proud of their sin, we, we see that these, these men actually are doing what God wants them to do. And I would assume that there is there, there's sacrifice going on, just like um, the problem that arose with Cain and Abel. Um, I, I'm assuming that there is there's sacrificing going on, that they're, they're following God's commandments they're, they're, to the best of their ability. Obviously, with sin coming in, no one's perfect. But there is something there that these men are actually following God. They're, they're trying to walk with him the best they can. And um, we see, eventually, Noah comes on the scene. And uh, we'll, we'll pick it up there at verse, at verse 6, or chapter 6. Well, I'll read uh, the whole of chapter 6. It says, When men began to increase in number on the earth, and daughters were born to them, the, son of God, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not content with man lit forever for he is mortal his days will be 120 years the nephilim were on the earth in those days and afterward when the sons of god went to the daughters of men and had children by them they were the heroes of old men of renown the lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the earth, along the ground, and the birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and it was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence. Because of them, I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 
75 feet wide and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door on the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons, and your wife and your son's wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as the Lord commanded him. Now, this is a story of Noah. How many of you guys have heard this story before? Most likely, if you grew up in Sunday school, most likely if you've grown up in church at all, even if you haven't grown up in church, most likely somewhere along the line, we have heard this story. And I thought about getting into some of the nitty-gritties here, and I'm, I'm going to be looking at a few things here, but you know, as, as overall, we look at this story, and overall, so far, in what we've been reading, the account of Genesis, and after we start, after we continue in the Bible here throughout the year, I, I just see an overarching, overarching theme is that God, because of sin and his holiness, is justified in bringing wrath, is justified in bringing judgment to mankind. And he is totally within his right to do that. He is totally within his right to do that. Sometimes I don't think we get that. Um, this week's been a, you know, just as I've been studying this and, and just trying to get the, the word of God in my own heart, the weightiness, the weightiness of sin has been there. The weightiness of our own society's sin has been there. My own sin has been there. And the fact that God should just strike every single one of us dead. He's within his rights to do that. And yet, and yet there's grace and there is mercy that is always being poured out, even in the midst of his judgment, in the midst of his fair judgment. There is love, there is mercy being poured out when we don't deserve it, when we deserve complete punishment from God, complete separation from God forever. We deserve that. And yet, God loves us enough to give us mercy and grace. I 
I hope that we never forget that, but sometimes we can take it for granted. Sometimes I take it for granted. Um, my wife went to the store yesterday, and, and <laughs> she said, hey, you want to go with me? I was like, no, I just don't feel like it. And, and she looked at me, and she goes, you, you kind of seem depressed. Well, yeah, kind of was. Because of, 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 of reading this, reading this account, and really just trying to take in how evil, how evil sin is. How evil I can be in my own heart. How rebellious my own life has been. Sometimes I don't think we realize that. We, we, we you know, growing up in church, I've always heard that Jesus loves me. That's true. We're going to talk about it here. But I don't ever want to take that for granted. I don't want to take it for granted. And sin is heavy. And I can't deal with it on my own. We're going to talk about that here in a second too. But if I ever take it for granted, then I, I, I completely don't get it. And I, I plead with you today that you don't take it for granted either. The, the heaviness of my own rebellion against God is there. And it should be there. <clears throat> As we read in this text, we see that men, men begin to increase in number. And uh, I, I, I could probably go down a rabbit trail here and I'm going to just kind of give you a little bit of the uh, of some of the, the uh, ideas of this. But it says, The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. Now, there's a couple of different theories in, in, in Christian, Christian land, if you will. I, I was uh, watching a lot of videos and, and doing a lot of research. And there's two primary uh, theories within the Christian world. And I say the Christian world because uh, there's some secular guys out there that say these were aliens and uh I, I don't i don't buy that at all but uh one one of the most popular theories is that uh, these are fallen angels that come and have intercourse with with women and out of that uh they see uh this this uh these people called the nephilim uh and and that they were had supernatural abilities and and, and things of that nature and um, I, I've heard that theory quite a bit, even in church land. I, uh, I don't have a, a, a strong opinion one way or the other. However, uh, the second, the second um, theory, if you will, in, Christian, in the Christian world, um, I, I kind of buy a little more. Um, and this is that the... Um, the sons of God would have been Seth's line, and the daughters of men would have been out of Cain's line, and that they intermarried. And, you know, the Nephilim actually means fallen ones. If you, if you go back to a, a Hebrew verb, <clears throat> and once again, I'm not going to go into great detail here, but it means fallen. And Nephilim means basically fallen ones. Now, I know the, the King James kind of says giants and, and and I, I personally think that 
if you go back to the Hebrew, that this isn't necessarily what it means. Um, but it goes on, and it says, you know, that when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children, they were the heroes of old men of renown. And a lot of times we look at that and say, oh, this is like, you know, heroes, like they, they had supernatural abilities, da-da-da. I really don't think that's what that means, once again. But I don't have a, a strong opinion one way or the other. But I really think that this is, these heroes that they're talking about were people that were out doing things to make a name for themselves. And they took God completely out of it. And they were out to edify, to glorify, to worship themselves. And they wanted other people to worship themselves, worship them as well. But regardless, regardless of which theory you buy into, if you will, we see in verse 5 the true the reason that God puts this in here is the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of thought of his heart was only evil all the time. Let that sink in for just a second. Can you imagine a society where no matter what was going on, all that anybody and everybody was thinking about was how to do evil. How terrible. When society gets to this point where nothing but evil is being done to each other, the very thought, the very core of what humankind, what, what society at that point in time was thinking was how evil can I be? And it goes on, the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. Filled with pain. God, the creator of the universe, was feeling pain because of what man was doing. Once again, I don't think we completely understand sin. I know I don't. Even though I feel a heaviness out of this text, even though I, 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 I feel ugh, out of this text, I almost am crying at times for our own nation when I'm reading this text. But I don't think we fully, fully can grasp how terrible it is in our human minds. And I was thinking, I was praying, um, the closest thing that I can... I, 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 look at is in Romans chapter 1. If you want to go to Romans chapter 1, um, well, I'm going to take a look at verse 18. Starting in 18, it says, the wrath of God is being revealed from the heaven against all the godliness, godlessness, and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain, 
to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither, neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the images made to look like mortal man, and birds, and animals, and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual immortality, purity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to their shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations with unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust from one another. Men continued indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty of their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to their depraved mind to do what not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, but also approve of those who practice them. And I was reading this, and I'm not trying to make this text say anything, it's not, we're adding to it, but if we look at our own society right now, how far off are we? How far off are we? Our culture is proud of sin. Our culture celebrates sin. When you turn the TV on and you see that there is a new show celebrating the fact that men are dressing up like women. When you turn on the TV and you see that there's a commercial for Oreos and there's Two men snuggling up and holding hands and trying to be a family. When you see a jewelry commercial and you see two women at the altar getting married. If that is not a celebration of sin, I don't know what is. It's evil. Does it enrage us as a society to see this? 
Does it make us upset even? Or are we so indoctrinated? Are we so used to the sin around us that we just say, well, it's a society. Does it have any effect on us at all? And this is one reason that I, I just, my heart's been broken. My heart has been broken this week. Just, just thinking about the fact that we as a nation who tout that we have put God first, that we trust in God, that our society, our pop culture, celebrates sin and says it's good when it's actually evil. When our own nation, our government says, you know what, we're going to fund murder of babies. Not just here in the United States, but we're going to export it. And we're going to pay for that. Do we take it lightly? Or do we just say that's the way it is? Folks, I don't have the easy answers. But are we appalled by the sin we see around us? Or do we just say, well, that's just kind of our culture and that's just the way it is? Let me take it one step further. Are we appalled by our own sin? Are we appalled by our own sin? By my own darkness in my own heart? Do I feel the same, you know, that list I just gave you of some of the things that we're seeing in our nation? And, and we should be appalled by that. We should be angry about that. We should be upset about that. It should break our hearts. But are we just as broken over this in our own lives? It's interesting, you know, if we read the list, right, you know, well, oh yeah, I mean, man, God called down fire because of the homosexual agenda. What about gossiping? That's on the list. How about disobeying your parents? You know, and, 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 and things have crept so into our society. We look around them, you know what? Disobeying your parents, that's not a big deal, is it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And once again, we become so insensitized, desensitized by our sin that it's really easy to justify it. And guys, we absolutely cannot justify our sin just as much as we can't justify the society's sin. Are we broken? Are we broken by our own sin? 
Or do we just take it for granted that, you know, we know Jesus came to save us. And, yeah, he loves me. And, and all those are true, guys. I mean, and that is the good news of the gospel. That I'm not saved by works. I'm saved by pure grace that God has given me as a gift from Jesus Christ because of what Jesus Christ has done. But do we take it lightly that it was my sin that made Jesus come to earth, that compelled Jesus to come to earth as a human? My sin compelled him to live a life here, a perfect life, and then went to a cross, a punishment that was super severe, a punishment that was gruesome, a punishment that, that each and every one of us deserves. Or we just take it for granted that he did that for us. See, the gift of salvation, it's free. Totally free. But it didn't, it didn't come cheap. It came at a huge price. That Jesus hung and died on the cross and went through hell for me. Physical torment. But more than that, he, he, he became separated from the Father and took on that punishment for me and for you. Because our sins are so terrible. Our sins are so bad that it had to be dealt with through the perfect sacrifice. And here we are, once again, going back to the story of Noah. Man, we, we have God's wrath being poured out. God's wrath justly being poured out. Punishment being poured out. And His grace and mercy are there. It's amazing. It's amazing. And just as it is in our own lives, just as in our own lives, when that judgment is something that we deserve, that God pours out His grace and His mercy onto us. Folks, I don't know if you're, if you're trying to deal with sin yourself, it doesn't work. We have to go to Jesus. We have to go to Jesus. It is the only way. It would almost be like, and we know the flood waters come in the further passages. It would almost be like me trying to tread water during the flood, saying, I'm going to deal with it myself. I'm going to get wiped out by my own sin by the judgment of my own sin. And the only refuge, the only, the only true way of being saved 
is Jesus Christ, just as the ark with Noah. You know, Noah had choices. And this is what's so interesting about this, this, this piece of scripture here is that Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people. Does that mean he was perfect? Well, because he still had sin. He had to inherit sin from Adam in him. But some reason, he walked with the Lord. He walked with God. And God recognized that. And I, I believe it was faith. I believe that was, it was faith that he had in God, knowing that God was who God said he was. And we see here that God tells him to do certain things. And sometimes we think that faith just means, you know what, I'm just going to I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to put my hands up. And I'm just going to let God rescue me. And he truly does rescue us. But in that, we also have to make choices. The Bible says faith without works is dead. And we're not saved by works at all. But if we truly believe, if we truly have faith in God, if we truly do believe who he is, then guess what? There's going to be choices that we make responsibility that we have to do what God is instructing us to do. And who, was, who benefited from the instructions that the Lord gave Noah? Noah and his family. And, and I went through here and I highlighted, man, they're, 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 so make yourself a ark. Make rooms. This is how you to build it. Make a roof. Put a door in. You will enter the ark. You are to bring into the ark. You are to take every, every kind of food. At the end, 22, it says, Noah did just as God commanded. This isn't out of legalism. This wasn't out of um, you know, towing this line. It was because Noah had faith that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. And he believed him, and he did as he was instructed because of that belief. I, I, I truly do believe that. When we become saved, there are a couple, um, I don't know if I have the phrasing right, but a couple means of graces that God gives us here on earth while we're here on earth. Um, we talked actually a little bit about this at our partnership uh, classes last week, and I just want to just want to share a little bit of each one. But number one, Holy Spirit. When when we get saved, God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes in and dwells in us. Um, Ephesians says it's a seal, guaranteeing our salvation. That's awesome. <laughs> The Bible also talks about how he's a counselor. He, he leads and guides us. Um, he'll give us words. I, right now, I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit is working, that these are not my words. And if you look at my notes, you know that this is not from me. That, that 
this is, this is, we're trusting that God, the Holy Spirit, is doing something right now as I talk about the Bible, as I talk about God's Word. The Holy Spirit is stirring us. But in all these things that He gives us, we have choices. Just as, as Noah had a choice to build the ark, to do what he was instructed to do. Ephesians says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Or as Eric has talked about in the past, be, be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's an ongoing process of us either feeding our flesh or, or being filled with the Holy Spirit. We have a choice as believers. We have that choice as believers to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit or to be led by our flesh. Real quickly, the second one I'd like to bring in is the Bible. God's own words. His truth. And honestly, we have a choice. We have a responsibility. Just as Noah had a choice and a responsibility to take time to read the Word. That's one reason that we at Mercy Hill have put a reading plan in. And to make the Bible, God's Word, the center. One of the, one of the centers that we do here at Mercy Hill is because it is so important. You know, I don't know how many times I've, I've talked to people and they're like, man, I just, I just don't feel like God's speaking to me right now. And usually I'll ask, when was the last time you read the Bible? When was the last time you opened your Bible? If we want to be directed, if we want to be led by, by God, this, His precious word has been given to us. It's here for us to read. It's here for us to digest. It's here for us to meditate on. One of the reasons that we have given you questions is so that we can get it in us. It's not just reading, which is great, but it is also meditating. It's also getting it in us, understanding it, digesting it, allowing it to impact our lives. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, along with the Bible, will direct us, will guide us, will give us exactly what we need to do as believers in this, in this society that obviously has gone against what the Word of God has said. You know, every society, no matter how pagan it is, always has wrongs and rights. Did you know that? Every society. As I, was, I went on the mission field and we did, we did cross-cultural training. Every society has taboos and every society has things that says it's good and every society has things that they say is evil. The problem or the, or the, the stress point for a lot of believers is what happens when the society says God's word doesn't really matter and we're going to start doing things that we, we 
believe are good, but when God's word says it's evil, or vice versa. What happens when society says that this is good and it really is evil, but then they call things that are evil, which God actually says is good. I believe we're going to see that here in America, and we already are, but I think there's going to be a huge extreme in this. Wouldn't surprise me if we would see penalties for saying that homosexuality is wrong, it's evil, it's not of God. Probably in certain places already in the United States, it's probably considered hate speech, and probably go to prison for it, or at least get fined. Those days are upon us, people. And we need to know what God says is good and what he defines as evil. Because that ultimately is what good and evil truly are. Not from our society. The word of God is my lamp unto my feet. It directs me. Worship team, you can come on up. The last one I want to I want to share about is is church. God has given us the church, the body, and when we are saved, we are brought into the universal church. We are part of His body, part of His His family. But also, just as important as, as the universal church is the local church, you know, and Mercy Hill is one of many local churches. And, you know, there, there are a lot of people, especially in this area, myself included, that have been hurt by church, that have, um, have church hurt, that has had something happen to them in the midst of church, be it legalism, be it... Um, whatever the list can go on and on right however church is one of those things that god has given us as a means of grace i look in acts acts chapter 2 um verse 42 through 47 and i want to i want to read that because it just it gives us a picture of what the church is supposed to be about it goes on it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teachings and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles all the believers were together and had everything in common selling the possessions and goods they gave to everyone as he need had need Every day they continued to meet together in the courts, temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Folks, the, the church is for us as believers. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, the Bible, the church, is there for us 
It's there to, to help us through these, these days here on earth. It's a refuge for the days on, on earth as we're here, as long as we're here. Um, I, find it, I find it interesting to see what they devoted themselves to. First, it was the apostles' teachings, teaching from God's word. Second was fellowship. Next was breaking of bread, meals. And last but not least, prayer. And all those elements were happening in the early church. Guys, I, I just I want to take a moment here. I mean, if you're visiting with us, man, we're glad you're here. We are glad you're here. If you've been tracking with us for a while... I would, I, would, I would ask that you maybe think about and become a partner. And what, what, one of the, some of the things we do when we call people to partnership with Mercy Hill is that you're going to get into a small church fellowship. Because, guys, honestly, coming to church on a Sunday morning is great, but it's not enough. It's not really what church is. Coming, coming for an hour to hear the word preached and to worship together, it's good. That's not what the church is all about. The church is hearing the teaching. Fellowship. If you notice, it was fellowship on a daily basis. The breaking of bread, meals together, and praying together. All those things happening Those are things that are going to help you as an individual, as a believer in Christ. But not only that, you're going to help your brother or sister. And this is what it's really meant to be, is us helping each other. As, as our culture, as our society, does the things it does. As I said earlier, just, just as Noah chose to obey God and actually serve him with him and his family, um, so we can choose to obey. So we can choose to walk with our Father. Are we going to choose to feed our flesh or be filled with the Holy Spirit? Are we going to choose to do something, read a self-help book, watch TV, play computer games, whatever, watch movies, or are we going to read the Bible, read his word, get it in us? Are we going to choose to go to church or to be the church? Those are all choices that we have, just as Noah had choices in what God instructed him to do. And I would just implore you guys, if you're a believer... And maybe God's convicting you of one of these things. I would just, I would just ask that you, you go deeper with him. Maybe you're here today and you've never, never put your trust in Jesus. And you've been trying to tread water. Trying to take care of this own sin that you can't take care of. I implore on you to trust Jesus. To fully give him your sin. 
to allow him to take care of it so that you can have a right relationship with God. doesn't mean that sin will ever necessarily go away in this, in this time, in this world, but he will take care of it and he will continue to sanctify you and continue to refine you while you're here on this earth. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. And I just, I just pray right now that we will just fall on our faces and repent. Fall on our faces and say, we, we need you. We need you. I, I just thank you so much that in the midst of your judgment, in the midst of your, your righteous judgment, that you always are offering mercy and grace to us. And I just pray right now that each and every one of us will be able to choose you. That your Holy Spirit will, will lead us and guide us down the road. That, that you will instruct us through your word. And that you will just allow your church to be the church. And that we will, we will follow you with all our strength and all our might. I just thank you so much. In your name I pray. Amen.